Welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is episode 396. I'm your host, Casey Maluli, joined by Tom this week. Hey there. I think this is three or four in a row for you. Yeah. Getting back into the swing of things. I like it. We like having you. So the, the whole idea with the podcast is we want to talk about what's happening right now or topics that are in the news right now. So we do have an educational focus, an educational bias towards a lot of our material, but we do want to use the podcast as an opportunity to talk about things that we're talking about with clients. People are calling in, they're asking, you know, like, you know, what are we doing with our investments? What's happening with the market, with the economy, with interest rates? We want to talk about these things. And so we record this as a way for you to kind of be a fly on the wall when we're talking to other clients. I think that sums it up well. So let's get right into it. I'm talking about like educated people who in many cases trade bonds for a living don't even understand what's happening at the cash flow and balance sheet level for the Fed, which amazes me that some people just get glued to a screen and they see prices of their inventory tick up, tick down, tick up, tick down, tick up, tick down, and they're not paying attention to the bigger picture. The bigger picture is, you know, again, not trying to get into politics, but the Biden administration kind of took a victory lap saying that their, their budget deficit was down uh, at the beginning of the year. Yes, it was down because we didn't do a $2 trillion bailout like we did a year ago that caused a lot of inflation. So now we're running into a situation where the tax receipts at the Treasury are so high, they totally whiffed on how much they would collect in terms of tax receipts. And the first thing that people say is, oh, that's because everyone paid capital gains last year because the stock market did so well. No, this is actually from wages. These are people, more people going back to work and more people making more money and paying more income taxes, not capital gains. These are wages. These are income taxes. And I mean, they missed by like a factor of two. Like it was double, double. How do you miss like that? But anyway, so the money that's on hand at the treasury is way more than they planned. And so as the Fed has T-bills, treasury notes, treasury bonds that are coming due, they're getting the cash for these things that are maturing and they are they're turning the money over to Treasury and the Treasury is actually destroying the cash. Kind of the opposite of printing cash. Oh yeah. So this whole quantitative tightening thing, CNBC just loves to freak people out about how this is going to be the end of the world. And I don't know, seems to me like the Fed's got this and the Treasury pretty much have this under control. Yeah, I think it's maybe uh, more, it's too technical for Powell and Yellen to get into seemingly positive aspects like the the tax revenue being way higher than they thought it would. Um, maybe that's too technical. I mean, their job is to also communicate with 
us and and the public at large. So maybe not trying to dig into the weeds too much in those types of areas. But that would be, I think, a lot of people are searching for good news right now, especially economic good news. So. You would. I'm, I'm going to say, hell yes, this is great news. Yeah, it really is because, you know, these, sorry, bimbos on CNBC, they get on there and they basically tell the same story that we're all going to turn into a pumpkin at midnight because the Fed has to unwind trillions of dollars. They're just going to flood the the bond market with all of these bonds that they've got to sell, they can achieve most of their objectives by just letting things run off. So I just I just want to clarify the higher than expected amount in tax income tax revenue and the Fed stopping or slowing down their bond purchasing program. The increase in tax revenue is a, is what's allowing them to do that or how are those two things connected the original plan was we were doing quantitative easing to help in this emergency uh pandemic operations right uh and then we get to a point where the economy can stand on its own and so we, we have to undo what we did two years ago so now they're saying, all right, now we're going to do, instead of quantitative easing, now we're going to do quantitative tightening. Most people simply interpret that as, oh, they bought all these bills, notes, and bonds over the last two years. Now they're going to sell bills, notes, and bonds. Holy crap, I don't want to be a bondholder because... The market's getting flooded. Yeah, it's the market's going to get flooded by the, by the biggest bondholder out there talk about forced selling exactly and so that's part of the reason why we have seen this historic sell-off in the bond market in the first six months of this year i'm here to tell people that this may be a great opportunity and again i i I don't want to get into investment recommendations because it's not always going to be suitable for whoever's listening to this this is not investment advice but i think that the majority of uh news readers out there on these financial networks are going to be wrong that shouldn't come as a surprise Mm -hmm. to people so We've all seen the news about how employment, unemployment is at historic low records. And these tax receipts are now coming in way, way higher than expected. If this were money that came in from capital gains, it would be a one-time burst that we got when people paid their taxes in the first quarter of the year. It's all due by April 15th, unless you get an extension. But this is money that's coming from wages. So people get paid every two weeks or twice a month. This isn't going anywhere. Yeah, do you think that that's just because the jobs recovery was much faster than anticipated? Well, I don't even know if it was much faster than anticipated. I They're not actually all brand new jobs that are being created. These are old jobs that are getting filled again. And so, you know, yes politicians, no. yeah, they like to, you know, well, spin I, their stories. Of course. Do you think that the tax receipts uh, have anything to do with inflation? So the, the cycle goes, 
there's inflation in the economy and consumers or workers respond by demanding higher wages, companies raise the wages, people have more money to spend, and then that's how things kind of cycle out of control. So I know wage growth is a key component of inflation, and it's something that the Fed has been trying to cool off. So am I... You're on the right track. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll put it in, in terms that everybody can understand. Higher wages, higher payroll taxes. Mm-hmm. More money for the federal government. More money comes in and more opportunities for people to start spending money. So two other points that I'm, I'm just going to tack on to what you just said. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to uh, midterm elections, you know, I'm a subscriber to um, Stock Traders Almanac. And they came up with the presidential cycle, the four-year cycle. Uh, the worst year of the four is the year that we go into the midterms. Okay. So, and the worst month in that year is June, historically. And we're recording this June 9th of 2022. I don't know if we already saw the worst month in March, or maybe it was May, yeah. uh, or, or maybe it'll be August. But historically, um, the year of the midterm elections is the, the hardest one. I don't know if that is going to come true. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know it's one of those market cliches, but uh, markets hate uncertainty. They do. And the other thing that I wanted to, to point out about this is that not only is the federal government seeing their tax receipts go up, but state governments are also seeing their tax receipts go up. And there's a lot of people out there uh, we see them every morning getting interviewed on Bloomberg TV, and they just love to say that the economy is going into a recession. In fact, we might be in a recession right now, according to some of these experts. I'm using air quotes. Like, but, uh, like Cardi B? Yes. <laughs> Cardi B with her, with her tweet last week saying, when is someone going to finally admit that we're in a recession? But the, the point is, in all 50 states all 50 states the economy is expanding yeah. not contracting that does you you know when we start to tip over into a recession we'll see it because all of a sudden we'll see a report that says 45 states are still expanding 41 states are still expanding 32 states are still expanding and fewer and fewer states expand and more are starting to contract that's a very clear signal that things are slowing down right now 50 states, all 50 states, economy is expanding. Yeah, I think it's it just goes to further the narrative that there's kind of two stories ha- happening economically right now. There's good data and then there's bad data. Yeah. Uh, the good data, like we talked about, was you know unemployment at 3.6%, one of the fastest, if not the fastest jobs recovery in history whether or not that was an actual recovery or just jobs that we lost during the pandemic coming back. We're seeing kind of in that same vein, we're seeing um, spending shift from more goods to services based, which is the idea there is that it might alleviate some of the supply chain issues that we're seeing as 
These stores like Target and Walmart are reporting record inventories. People aren't buying goods. They're not buying dishwashers, TVs, um, all of these kind of big ticket items. As much, they're more, they're going to take trips, stay in hotels, go eat out more, which is a positive for for the economy. Yeah, it's, it's easy to point at things like, you know, Target having record inventories and Walmart having inventory issues and say, see, this is why we're going to tip over into a recession. No, people aren't sitting at home for two years buying stuff on Amazon.com yeah. or, you know, just ordering stuff. They couldn't go on trips. You know, try and get an airline ticket right now. Yeah, it's wild. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, prices are... Uh, prices of airline tickets are, are going sky high. You can't get a rental car. Um, but we're seeing on the flip side, prices of used cars coming way down. Yeah, prices of used cars are down 15% over the last two months. Yeah. And kind of along those same lines, I know we've talked about the housing market over the last couple of weeks here, as that is kind of a barometer for the economy at large. Um, prices are still high, but mortgage applications are down 21% from this same time last year. Yeah. And down 40% from just 60 days ago. Yeah. And so, yeah, housing market is slowing down. So I know we got the, uh, the case Schiller, which was up like 20%, but I saw something that kind of clicked. Um, the number was for the first quarter of 2022, which means that those houses, the data that was collected for those numbers, those houses probably went under contract in like November, December of 2021. That's right. So that is kind of like a backwards looking thing. Yes. Um, And remember also that we're looking at first quarter Case-Shiller numbers, and these are reporting sales from the end of 21. And now, you know, today's June 9th. Yeah. The second quarter ends in three weeks. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot happening under the surface. Yeah, and that's kind of also what I wanted to talk about, whether or not we're actually in a recession or heading into a recession. It's this idea that I don't want to say it doesn't matter whether we're in, quote unquote, in a recession or not, but it's kind of like I know there have been some examples, some recent examples where when we enter a recession officially and then just a couple months later it's over by the time we're technically in a recession the worst of it is usually past that's right so how long historically how long is the average recession i know this because you told me it before we turned the mic on it's it's 11 months right you need two quarters of economic data to know definitively that you're in a recession. You have to have two quarters of negative GDP growth. Which is six months. Right. And so by the time that is released, it's probably seven months since the recession began. And the average recession is 11 months. So that party's over, man. Yeah. Which goes to this, which speaks to kind of, um, I know we've been talking about it a lot. It speaks to our approach when it comes to, you know, dealing with 
everyday investors and making financial plans and building investment plans for folks. And if you're trying to sidestep recessions, you're probably going to end up ripping your hair out because like you said, by the time we're already in one, we're kind of out of out the other side already. Right. And we've had some recessions that have been literally six months and it's over. The average recession, the average length of a recession is 11 months. We've had some that have been very long, um, but we've had some that have been super short. Yeah, I think 2008, 2009, I knew what was going on, but I didn't know the, the ins and outs of it like you did. But I feel like a lot of people are, it's still, it's still you know, Fresh. happened you know, just over a decade ago. Yeah. So it's kind of... Uh, the 2020 recession was weird because it kind of was like a month or three months, I think. It was officially declared a recession in June, and we were already out of it by then. We were. So that one... That shouldn't even count. It doesn't really count. Plus, it was, you know, with COVID and everything, there was a lot of other stuff going on. But the 2008, 2009, man, I feel like that... It, we see it with the the Great Depression, I think, with a lot of the the older folks, where um, that stuff just gets ingrained in you, sure it does. and then that's your reference point for for your the rest of your your life, basically. Yep. But not every recession is the Great Recession. There are just normal recessions as well. People like to fight the last war. You know, every recession is going to be a little different. The what happened in two thousand seven and eight was it it was bad and it could have been it really could have been a lot worse because that was not just a real estate recession where home prices collapsed and the bond market collapsed and these were banks that were on the edge you know so we're talking about you know. Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley applied to the, uh, I forget if it was the Treasury or the Fed, but they asked for permission to re-register as banks instead of broker-dealers. Are you kidding me? Like, they they wanted to change their charter so they could uh, not comply with the capital requirements because they knew that most of the or many of the bonds that they held at the present time were not worth uh, the values that were stated on the statements, and so it was it was really really messy yeah. uh, for a period of time. I know when before we turned the mic on, we were kind of talking about um, what happened in Europe. Same kind of thing. It was kind of a, I don't want to say a repercussion of the great financial crisis, but it was kind of along the same lines where I think what was going on was these countries in Europe were basically holding a lot of private debt, which was throwing off their, um, the value of their currencies and the value of the Euro and, um, the central bank chairman at the time. Is that the correct? Yeah. Draghi came in and said, we're going to do whatever it takes and the market really responded to that. And I thought it was interesting, the timing of Draghi saying this, which was July of 2012, um, when they started their bond purchasing program. And then I, I actually went and, and read a Wall Street Journal article from back from this time, so we'll link that up. 
but uh, the article said the ECB's commitment didn't commitment to inter- intervention didn't spark an immediate recovery for the eurozone, which remained in recession until the middle of 2013. The ECB was back in the news this week because they came out and said that they're finally gonna raise interest rates for the first time in a decade, right? Plus, and they're gonna be raising interest rates to zero. So they're seeing a lot of the same problems that we are over here with inflation hitting multi-decade highs. Um, I just wanted to highlight the timing of that and how it took almost a year for these things for the central bank's um, policies to make an impact because we're seeing the Fed raising rates and starting the quantitative tightening program and all of these kind of like little data points that are saying, oh, inflation's going to start to cool off, inflation's going to start to cool off. But we're getting the CPI print tomorrow, and it's expected to be elevated. Janet Yellen's words, not mine. I don't even know what that means. It's only been two months since, almost three months since the Fed raised rates for the first time. It looks like they're going to continue to do that in this month in June and in July as well. Um, but it's going to take some time for these levers that they're pulling to kind of trickle through the economy and actually start to cool off the headline numbers. So you're right in the sense that, uh, and Powell has, has been saying this since he was a Fed governor, not even chairman, how it will take usually somewhere between six and 12 months with nine being the average, uh, nine months for any effect of interest rate hikes to be felt through the economy. But yet we saw mortgage rates spike up immediately. Yeah, We saw home equity uh, rates spike up immediately. We didn't see yields on CDs spike up. Right. But yeah, there's a, there's a lag there, and um, I know everyone, no one likes inflation, and no one likes um, the economy being, I don't think the economy is in bad shape, but everyone thinks the economy is in bad shape according to all the surveys and sentiment polls that we're seeing out there, so no one likes it when there's these economic issues going on, and uh I think it's important to to be patient and know that there's kind of a lag time and and these things will kind of work themselves out. So I think we just in closing, I think we want to talk about, you know, when we do have a recession, um, we're talking about the economy contracting. So we've had many recessions over the course of my career where we've seen a negative print on GDP, that's gross domestic product, okay? But it may be a negative print of 0.7 or 1%. We're, we're, we're not talking about an economy like the, uh, I think it was the second quarter of 2020 when everybody like had to stay home yeah. because of COVID, where we had a like a negative GDP print of like negative 35%. Yeah, it was just like crazy. That. I mean, just... That we will never see that again in our lifetime. But that was one quarter of a print. Yes. That's me knocking on wood. Right. So I really doubt that we'll see something like that. But when we have normal situations and the economy is contracting 1%, it's, 
we're not talking about uh, you know people are going to be selling apples on the street corner. It's yeah, some people are going to lose jobs. Yeah. That's part of a recession, but it's also you know right sizing different industries so that we can move forward. Yeah, um, as a whole, which I think is a normal part of the business cycle. Yes. Same thing with our business. We see things ebb and flow. That's the way it is. That's how it goes. So I think that's going to wrap it up for episode 396 of the Maluli Asset Podcast. Um, We just kind of wanted to walk through some of the broader headlines and economic data points that we've been seeing because we want you guys to hear it from us. So thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.